Right. Okay, let's pray. Father, uh, we again ask that as we look at uh, your word, Lord, that you will use your word for your glory. Uh, in us we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Samuel. The end of an era and the beginning of a new one in the history of Israel. Samuel, now an old man, and uh, he's been a, 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 a prophet, judge of Israel throughout his lifetime. I love that. I don't know if I referred to that verse yesterday where it talks about um, Samuel, that God let none of his words fall to the ground. It's a lovely phrase, isn't it? None of his words fell to the ground. Nothing was wasted. Nothing was lost. God used him to speak specifically into the nation of Israel. And, uh, and it was a time of peace. Peace from the, the Philistines. Um, but now Samuel's an old man. We all know, some of us know what that's about. And uh, he, uh, uh, and his sons, sadly, have, are not followed in his ways. How often is that the case? Um, and so the Israelite leaders come to Samuel in beginning of chapter 8. And um, they, uh, they take this as an opportunity. Remember that the phrase that happens throughout Judges is that um, Israel had no king. Israel had no king. And it, it's two, two sides to that in a sense. It's the people saying, we want a king. Um, but also it's a recognition, of course, that, that, that they didn't understand. They never really accepted that God was their king. They looked to someone else, to something else. They followed the nations around them in their practices. And of course, one of those things was that every nation had a king. So that was just the norm. And they wanted to be, um, they wanted to be the same. I've realized now I've got three screens of me here in front of me. I hope you're not, I haven't got three of me. That's terrible. But anyway, carry on. I'll try not to look at myself. Um, so they come to Samuel and they say, we want a, we want a king. Um, and they talk about the fact that, you know, he's now old and his sons are, are, not, are not godly people. But of course, the, um, the real reason comes out, they want a king who will reign over them and lead them into, into battle, as their neighbours uh, did. By the way, they're forgetting entirely that even in Samuel's lifetime, that, that God has brought them victory in battles. They overcame the Philistines in Samuel's time because God acted on their behalf. Talks about God causing a thunderstorm at the time of the great battle with the Philistines. And so God delivered them and God had always delivered them. And yet they forget that. And they keep going back to the fact that we want a king particularly to lead us into battle. Be careful what you wish for, is what God tells them through Samuel. Be careful what you wish for. And he lists, because he says, if, if you have a king like all the other nations, then that king will just be like their kings. And this is what he'll do. He will take. He uses that verb uh, several times. Um, God does, and, and, and Samuel does as he speaks to the people. He will take 
he will take from you. He'll take your children to be, uh, to be in his service. He'll take your harvests to feed himself. He's going to take your livestock. He's going to take from you, and you'll wish you hadn't done this. But of course, they still say, we want a king. Samuel feels rejected by this, uh, and he goes to God, and he talks to God about it, and God says to him, actually, Samuel, it's not you that they're rejecting. It's me. It's me they're rejecting. It's me that really, <laughs> in that sense, should feel sorry about this situation. But one of the things that comes out here is, is just how good God is. How good God is. Because although they were rejecting him, God looked to choose the best person for the job. And he, I, he identifies to Samuel that this young chap who's gone looking for his donkeys, Saul, will be the next king of Israel. And God looks to do everything that he can to, although he, although he knows this is not really, uh, is not the best, God seeks to make it good for his people because God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. And, uh, and so we see this um, young lad, young man, who's looking for his father's donkeys, going to find Samuel because he hopes Samuel can help him find the donkeys. But before all of that, God has said to Samuel, um, there's, there's a guy coming looking uh, for his donkeys tomorrow, and he's the one I want you to anoint as king over Israel. And that's what uh, Samuel does. There's this private anointing, just Samuel and Saul together, as, as uh, Saul anoints him. Sorry, as, as Samuel anoints Saul. Interesting what he says then in chapter 10, verse 2, when he says, uh, uh, has not, the, so the Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? So he's making it abundantly clear to Saul that although he's going to be the king, these are God's people. They are God's inheritance. They're not Saul's inheritance. They're not Saul's people in, the, in that sense. So God anoints, anoints Samuel, anoints Saul, and then later on um, there will be a public anointing of Saul. And when, and when Saul leaves Samuel to go back home, because the donkeys, Samuel tells him the donkeys have already been found, and, and now his, his father's worrying about him, Samuel gives Saul these signs, doesn't he, of things that will happen that will confirm to Saul that what Samuel has said is true. And he gives him various signs, people he will meet, things that will happen. And all of them, of course, uh, happened. But there in, in chapter 10, verse 6, we read um, these words. The spirit of the, this, is, this is Samuel talking to Saul. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them. That's with some other prophets. Um, 
and then and then in verse 9 as Saul turned to leave Samuel God changed Saul's heart and all these signs were fulfilled that day so God worked in Saul's life to prepare him to be Israel's king God was at work in this man's life to prepare him for the tasks that lay before him even though God knew that this was not the best course of action for Israel. God still worked in a way to prepare and to do what was right, what was best for his people. And that included preparing in some way, anointing him with oil, which we know is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, changing his heart in some way, giving him perhaps the confidence, the boldness to suddenly step up to this, you know, amazingly new role that God had for him in uh, life so God is good and just one other thing to to add um, at the end here is that I think in choosing Saul we see we see again this this which we've seen several times as we've looked through some of these passages over recent days we see how God uses humble people for his service i think saul at the beginning was a very humble person i don't think that may have been part of the change that god was we talked about that god produced in his life but if you read through these chapters you can see you could see several ways that, that identify saul as not being a proud person but being a humble person uh, and perhaps most obviously at his public anointing when they, they presumably cast lots or use the Urim and Thummim or whatever else to, to identify in a second way who's going to be king. And it comes all the way down to, to Benjamin, you know, through his clan to Benjamin. And they go, to a, anoint, they go to anoint him as king, of course, and they can't find him. I mean, he knows he's going to be king because Saul, Samuel's already anointed him. They can't find him. Why? Because he's hiding. <laughs> he's hiding. He's not, I don't think he's a proud person. And I think God, uh, in that sense, is one of the reasons why God chooses him for the role. Somebody that God can use, somebody that God can mold, somebody that God can make fit for purpose. And we see that, don't we, in so many of the people that we've looked at, you know, Moses. Moses, I think, initially thought that, you know, that, well, God had prepared him for a role, but Moses thought that he got it all. Moses thought that he could do it on his own. And he had to learn, didn't he? 40 years of looking after sheep before, in a sense, he was ready to take on the role that God had prepared him for, to learn humility. When we think about how God used Gideon, that young man and also of course they wanted to make Gideon king at the end of his life after after his victory and Gideon refused he said no God's your ruler I'm not going to be your king God is your ruler how he used Ruth that young foreign woman widowed woman Hannah's prayer yesterday talks about how God lifts up the humble raises them to be like princes but he brings down the proud and i think that's something that perhaps each of us can lead in my reading in proverbs this morning 
one of the proverbs says this pride goes before destruction humility precedes honor humility precedes honor god honors the humble and of course there's no no person no situation more obvious than that than of course in in jesus christ who humbled himself even unto death on a cross and god exalted him to the highest place and he's the one that we looked for so god's not looking for a god's not looking for superstars god's looking for people who realize that probably that they not probably but that they haven't got what it takes they're the people that he can use and will use for his glory lord help us to be humble we so easily become proud don't we lord give us grant us humility we ask in jesus name amen